Warning, We Can Recover the podcast discusses topics that may be difficult for some individuals to comprehend. Listen at your own risk. This podcast is not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship or program. The opinions shared are solely those of the individuals sharing them. These are our stories. We lived them, and we choose to share them with you today to inspire others and to show that we can recover. Welcome to the podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. You are now tuned in to the coolest new podcast, We, we Can Recover. Hey everybody, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, We Can Recover. I am Jojo M, and I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to the show. This week we have a very special show. We have a two-part series that we are going to be discussing the fourth step. In the studio this week we have Mary P is back. Mary, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me again. Awesome, and always in the studio with me, my co-host Denise. Denise F., how are you? Great. Hello, everybody. S is for... <laughs> Capital fun. Fourth step, I was going to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's who, a fun fourth step, right. That's exactly what it is. As most of us know, the fourth step isn't quite all that fun until afterwards. Uh, a lot of us, when we get to the fourth step, we run, right? It's been my experience. It's been my spon- some of my sponsees' experience. And it's been many others that I know of. When we get to that fourth step... We have to take a look at ourselves and we say, fuck this, and we run. Right. That's that's part of it. I, I think that a lot of people get a fear when they come into the rooms or into a meeting and they hear how people put so much weight into that fourth step as being uh, something to be afraid of. Right. And the truth is, that's our first beginning of our freedom. And that's where we begin our real journey. That's the beginning of the action that we put into the steps. The first three steps are just thoughts. We're getting to, number one, our knowledge of our condition. Mm -hmm. Number two, come to believe in the power greater than ourselves. That doesn't require a lot of action. And number three is our commitment to go forth to do the action part of the steps. From four on to 12 are all action. Right. Getting into the action of the program. I wanted to read a little bit from the literature before we go forward, and we'll kind of go off of this. In the book, it says, when we get to this point, Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged and unsellable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. So when I look at this, and I heard this analogy uh, told before, where it's kind of like, say I own a supermarket and I have produce in my supermarket. Mm -hmm. And if I don't go in on a regular basis and clear out the vegetables and the fruit that have gone bad and that are rotten, and I let them stay there and I mix them with the good fruit and vegetables that I just got in stock, then those are going to go bad as well. So it's kind of the same with myself. I take this personal inventory because if I want to prosper from all the good that I'm doing in sobriety and all these changes that I'm trying to make, if I want to, if I want to prosper from that, then I need to get rid of all the bad stuff inside that I can't sell nobody's going to want to buy that shit from me. So I need to take a look (laughs) at all that stuff that's inside. I need to get rid of it and throw it out so that with the new stuff coming in does not become toxic as well. 
Right. And continuing on, it says, we did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. And that honesty is so important, right? Because right. what is the how of the program? Honesty, open-mindedness, well, and right. willingness. I have to get honest. And I have to get honest with myself. And I tell my sponsors a lot of times, if you don't get honest with yourself, then, then it's not going to work. I can't care about you and I can't love you and help you unless you're willing to do that for yourself. You have to get honest with yourself. I can't care unless you care. So I think that there is also a difference between lying and dishonesty. So when I'm telling a lie, I know that I'm telling a lie. I know that uh, when I say I'll be back Friday to pay you that money, I know that's a straight out lie. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but when I say I'm going to go buy an eight ball, do 20 and sell the rest and double my money. I honestly believe that dishonest bullshit. Right. I, 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 I really feel this way when I say tomorrow I have an interview, so I'm not going to party today. I'm going to. And then there they come out. Right. Whoever comes around and it's like it just happens that I have to have it in my body. I don't choose it. It chooses me. So when I think I have a choice over these matters, it's a dishonest part of me. I'm going to stay clean for this for this baby in my belly. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be better because now I'm married. I'm a wife or I have this great job or whatever the things that I tell myself. That's dishonesty. Because the truth is, is that I am addict alcoholic and I have to have it no matter what. And I didn't realize when I first tried to get clean, I didn't realize that. And I, I didn't understand why I couldn't stop. It would frustrate me so bad because these things that I said, you know, the, the, the things that I said, I honestly meant them. I honestly meant Absolutely. that I wanted to stop. Absolutely. And I knew that I couldn't when I tried and I didn't know what that was about. And isn't that the beautiful thing about this literature, how it masterfully pulls that out of us? The truth? Well, it's just I read it or I, I, I'm, I'm told it by my sponsor and we go through it together and more and more. I found that this book really is about me, yes. you know, and, and, and it's crazy to think that the book was written back in 1939 and here it is 2020 and I'm in this book. You know, at the end of step three, it says it could have a little, it could have little permanent effect unless it wants followed by strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves, which have been blocking us. Our liquor, my drug, was but a symptom. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. And that's the personal inventory. It asks me, one of the first things it asks me to do is search out the flaws in the makeup which caused my failure. And by doing that, it did bring up a lot of things that I did, you know, leaving my children behind, lying to my parents, lying because I would jump out the window and call a taxi to go party. My mom started putting a tambourine on the door, you know, to oh, catch crap. me in the middle <laughs> of the night. But I had to get up honest about these things that I had blocked. And these things were blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit. They tell me to go through my resentments. Um, page 65 has a list, you know, Mr. Brown. I'm resentful at him because um, his attention to my wife and it affect my uh, sex relation self-esteem etc so I had to go through every resentment and list those after I had taken a look at 
why I was where I was and how come I couldn't quit. Mm -hmm. um, I could see a lot of my own flaws and characteristics even before I went through the resentments, but I wouldn't admit them to mm -hmm. myself. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, this happened, but I really truly couldn't honestly admit it to myself. Mm -hmm. I was still too angry at the first husband. I was angry at the company. I was angry at the world. And I could start listing these and what they did to me. Mm. And it was justified. They did this mm, and they did mm. that. And they jacked up my money. They jacked up my life. You know, now I don't trust. Now I have a personal problem. And now I can't trust anybody and I blame everybody. I love that. Right here on page 64, it says resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics or addicts than anything else. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease. For not only had we been mentally and physically ill, we had been spiritually sick. Exactly. So for me, like when we went through the bedevilments on page 52, when we go to the back of the book and we start to read about the things that we did without a higher power, this is us without a higher power. These are the bedevilments, right? When I think about that, I have to straighten out by asking something, whatever it is, in the sky for help in the final analysis. Now, at the end of my drinking and using I'm Beyond Human Aid, I ask a power for help. When I get to the bedevilments on step two, I realize why it's important to have the spiritual the spirituality straightened out first then i straighten out mentally and physically and so then i'm able to look at my resentments with the truth because i need a higher power to help me with the truth because i'm so dishonest which is why we do steps one two and three first see this Absolutely. shit is put in order for Absolutely. a reason so i go through steps one I surrender. Step two, I come to believe in this power in the sky, this power that's greater than me. Three, I make a decision. And that decision on step three is what's so important because Absolutely. if I made this decision, that means when I get to step four, I got to put in the action. I got to put in the work. If right. I don't, then I really haven't made that decision yet. Right. Right. And there's nothing to fear. What we're doing is we're getting our shit out. But the thing is, we fear it so much. We fear so bad because I remember getting to that point and, and being like, fuck, I got to take a look at the shit that I did. I got to look at myself. And it's like looking at the, my reflection for the first time. And I'm so scared of that because I know that what I did was so bad and so wrong. But you know what? For me, it wasn't that way. Looking at my resentments was just what I was mad at. Yeah. Okay, this motherfucker, right? Oh, my God. You know what he did to me? Because I come in sick with the blamems. All I got is resentment. You know why I'm like this? Because they did this to me. <laughs> and I remember right. I remember the sponsor telling me, well, they put a gun to your head? No. They made you? They made you put that in your body? No, but, oh, so you showed them, huh? <laughs> but yeah. see, that's what I thought when I first got to that. So I didn't realize that once you get into it and you start putting it down on paper and everything, that's exactly what it is. You know, I thought before I did it, that's what I was looking at. I was looking at all the bad shit that I had done to people. And I think that's what many of us have that misconception about yeah. the fourth step. What it really is, is A, you put down on paper 
And then when you get down and you start doing your fist step and you tell it, tell it to your sponsor, whoever it is you choose to tell it with, with me, oh, how surprised I was to find out what kind of part I played in it. Whenever I, I told my sponsor, this person did this to me and this person did that to me and that bitch and this and that, my sponsor said, well, what part did you play in it? And I was like, what? What do you mean? What part did I play in it? You mean I have a part in this? So it's really what it says is on page 67, referring to our list again, putting out the minds of wrongs that others had done. We resolutely looked for our own mistake. Right? Right. So in essence, that's like, what's my part? What was my mistake? Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened? There's the fear, right? Frightened. Though a situation had not been entirely our fault. So, some of us are true victims. True victims as children or uh, right. or, or a- any situation you can be a true victim to something, right? right? We tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? That's all we look at. Even though their character defects are glaring. Okay, so I go out on this date. I'm with a guy, and he's gonna he's gonna get it. He's gonna take it whether I say yes or no. He's he wants sex. Uh-huh. I'm on a date. What is my choice at this point? I just go with it. Because I don't want to be raped. I'm going to try to enjoy it. This is what I tell myself. When I look back at that, what is, where am I to blame? And honestly, do I have a part in that? He was going to take it. Whether I said yes or no. I placed myself in a position to be hurt. Maybe I should have went out in a group. Maybe next time I'll take a look at them and get to know them a little better before I say yes to go out on a date. Who knows? All I know is that in the future, I'm going to do it different. I may not get so drunk or messed up, but it still happens. Yeah. You know, and for me, I look back and I say, I was innocent. I was a child. You know, yes. I, I don't see my part in any of this. I remember trying to run around looking like a boy, dressing like a boy, hiding, locking my door. Uh-huh. And, you know, how could I have a part in this at all is what I thought. And I realized that my part was allowing this person to take my power for f- over 50 years. And I you think know? a lot of times when we when we take a look at the four step, that's what it is, is the whole power thing. Who are we giving our power to? Yeah. Right. Who are we allowing to truly come into our lives and, and, and have that authority in our lives? And exactly. I went from I went from a victim to a perp real quick because I wasn't going to let anybody have that kind of power over me. Right. Yeah. It I, says here, the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. Oh, yeah. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Mm -hmm. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. It also says, but did we not? It also says, but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Right? Right. Selfish self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our problem. 
And so when I take a look at that, I want to go back to what Mary said a minute ago. Resentment is the number one offender. So when I'm stuck in self, it's all about me. It's all about what you did to me, how you fucked me over. And then it just sets the ball rolling. And there I go. I'm off to the races and I'm going to get satisfaction one way or another. So exactly. For me, revenge, right? It, it's, it's part of my makeup. Oh, hurt me? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, the saying, karma's a bigger bitch than I could ever be? <laughs> oh, yeah. That was totally my, my phrase back in the day. Right? right? <laughs> and, and, and it is true. I only seem to win, right? right. I'll show you. Right. I got you. And I kept hurting myself. But I love what it says on the bottom of page 66. So, when I, first of all, we turn back to our list. It held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had, had power, power to, to actually, actually kill. kill. Mm. How, how could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered. But how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. I like what uh, when I say it's like me having a flat tire on the highway and sitting in the car and saying, man, I wish I didn't have a flat tire. <laughs> that ain't going to do nothing, right? right. right. I got to get out, pull out the lug nut or pull out the, the, the tools that are necessary to change a tire and read a manual maybe. That's what this is, right? So this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually, spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way they disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick motherfucker, right? <laughs> this is a sick person. How can I be helpful to them? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. It's a hard, it's a simple prayer, but it's a hard prayer to pray at first. That's the anger prayer. That's the resentment prayer. Right. That's our go-to. That's our saving grace. It's, it, it's so hard because why are you going to pray for somebody that at the time you have so much hate towards? You know, I remember I had a resentment towards somebody and my sponsor, Mary, told me to pray for them. And I was like, bitch, you're crazy. I'm not going <laughs> to pray for them. And, and, and it's all in all, I have found it's been my experience that I do this for me, not for anybody else. I do it for me so that I can move forward, so that I can move on. The truth is you are doing it for somebody else. If you did for you, you'd be loaded. Everything we do is for the constant thought of others. You're here right now doing what you've got to do, not just for you, Jojo. It's for your employer, for your family, and for your friends because today you're free. You are the billboard for what your higher power can do. You're doing the footwork, but you're showing his masterpiece. And I suppose that's what I meant by it. I, I do it so that I could stay free. I do it so that I could Absolutely. stay sober. Not because I want to. And, and we just read it right here. We begun to see that the world and its people really dominated us. And that state, 
the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How does it have the power? To, how can a resentment kill me? I'm going to tell you. Tell us. It says <laughs> this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal for when harboring such feelings, we shut off from the sunlight the of, the of the spirit. Yeah, right. And you know, I, I had this thing going on with husbands and boyfriends and you know, they hurt my feelings or pissed me off and I had the resentment. I'll show you, look at me, I'm opening this wine and chugging it. You, you pissed me <laughs> off so now I'm drinking the poison. <laughs> Why do I fuck myself over when, I, when somebody, you know, oh look, well look what you made me do. Right, right. <laughs> And that's you exactly know. what it is. You <laughs> fuck yourself over thinking yeah. that you're getting back at the person. Yeah. Really, the only person you're hurting is it's yourself. You. you know, I remember, and I might have told this story before, <laughs> but I remember when I first started the position I'm in, I would walk in every morning when I had my new boss. And I would walk in every morning and I would say, good morning. And she wouldn't say anything. And I would walk to my office and I'd be like, all right, bitch, you know, can't say good morning to anybody. Okay, whatever, you know. And it went on for a little while. And then as I got to know her, I realized that she's a very uh, secluded person and she's not a morning person. And that's just not her thing. And here I am. I'm allowing myself to build up a resentment, a huge resentment, mind you, which is stupid now when I look back at it. But it was a huge resentment at the time because I'm trying to be nice to this new boss and she's not paying me any mind. Right. And I eventually learned that that's just who she was. And I had to accept that. And that was a perfect example of me taking the poison, expecting her to die. Well, see, and there it is. The expectation. Like you Ooh, were saying yesterday. You know, basically, we expect people to treat us a certain way. Because that's how we treat them. Don't you know who the fuck I think I am? That's right. And when they don't, here comes that resentment. Yeah. I, you know, that's very, very true. It can come out of nowhere. It's, it's, resentments are just based on self. Right. So when we come into this program, we are selfless. This is not a selfish program. This is a selfless program. I like. Uh, I heard somebody once say. You're going to be made to feel the way you've made others feel. That's heavy mm -hmm. on my. So when I'm offended or hurt, I have to think back at how many times did I do that to somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, until I did that false list, I couldn't see my, my expectations. And once I started saying, well, what was my part? Well, I gave somebody that power. Or, you know what? I should have never crashed their car. That's why they retaliated. <laughs> <laughs> if I hadn't stole their dope, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Maybe if I would have never slept with her husband, she'd be a, she'd be Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. And, and some of them aren't that obvious. And when they weren't, I was able to see it's still holding power. And I've allowed something to take a part of my soul. And how do I release it now? You know, those expectations, I never, ever really realized, even things that went back all the way to childhood when I did my fourth step, I did not even realize until I did that fourth step how many expectations I had. I had expectations of every single person in my life and how I thought they should treat me. I remember right. that. Yeah. We still like that today. 
We still like that today. Oh, That's very much why so. We it just happened yesterday to me. Absolutely. Yeah, we just stopped from reacting now. <laughs> and and we pray about, about it, it. Yes, or we I, write about it. I stopped today, and I, A, try to put myself in the other person's shoes. I try to realize how how harmful can this really be if I really were to play into it, not only to myself, but the other person as well. And then I stop and take a look and say, you know, you know, it's, it's really not as serious as I want to make this out to be. Do I really want to give my power away? Right. Or do I want to go ahead and keep the power that I have and continue to live this happy, joyous, and free life that I get to live today? And and I would much rather like I may hang on to it for a little bit because I still don't want to let go. Right. You know, I, I, I want to um, I want to bask in that shit for a little bit. Yeah. But I, I don't stay there today. And I realize that I, I let it go. And, and I'm not perfect. So by any means, do I do it perfectly? But I know today a little bit about what I need to do in order to get rid of it, because I keep that in the forefront of my mind. Resentment is the number one offender. Right. I don't want to go back out. Well, and, and, the, and as we know. Resentments need what? An amends. Oh, shit. So there's a real good way to start to um, curb that. We'll get there, but, you know, the more resentments I have, the more amends I'm going to have to make. So it kind of curbs that. That's when I get into the action of praying when agitated and trying to think of others. And if this is a sick friend, you know, start to pray for them in that way instead of saying, well, they should have. They should have been. She should have been. Or... Did you see the way they were shunning me or, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a daily ritual for me because at work I will type up an email and I'll read it and I'll reread it. And then I end up nine times out of 10. I discard the email because I know that if I actually send it, I'm going to end up having to make amends at some <laughs> point anyways. Right. Also on page 67, where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. You see, I had to quit looking at what the resentment towards them and look at my own faults. It made us do a list of faults and we placed them before us in black and white. When I started to see my part in it and my faults, everything changed. Um, they also had me do a fear list. Mm -hmm. So in this fear list, the, my sponsor had me, what, what is there fear behind that? Put it in brackets. So as anything I had on there mm -hmm. was all fear related. We were run by a thousand forms of fear. And it wasn't until then that I realized I wasn't a victim anymore. I was a volunteer. Mm -hmm. That's really important for me because any time I'm in resentment, I'm a victim. I'm a victim to what they did. Look at how it's affecting me. Right. And when I'm in that mode, I'm in a, I'm on dangerous ground. The most dangerous playground for me is my thinking. Ooh. Right. When I start to think and, and that little victim, I, uh, my victim pokes her head around. She says, oh, look at the way they're, tr see the way they looked at you. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> uh -huh. And I say, yeah, you're right. That is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. Uh-huh. Show them. Mm -hmm. And that's when I'm in real fucking danger. And I have right. to recognize that. And it takes time. This is not an overnight matter. I don't come into recovery, sobriety, knowing. It takes, took me five years to stop stealing. 
right to stop lying to stop manipulating because it's part of my makeup now i did quit drinking and using but i still have a lot of character defects on a daily that i'm always going to need a higher power for the truth right i still will lie i still tell a white lie i still am not uh walking on water i don't know what the fuck <laughs> i'm always going to be dependent on god for the truth and that's why we do that daily inventory Absolutely. after we do this. We take a look at nighttime as we go throughout our day. We stop and we pause and we take a look at what we need to do. Where do, we need to, where do we need to make amends? Where do we need to right our wrongs? It does. It, it is not an overnight matter. And thank God we don't have to do it perfect. Right. Right. But it has gotten so much better. I'm not. I have to watch myself where I'm lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating, and victimizing myself. Because if I'm in those behaviors, I'm on dangerous. I'm on quicksand. I'm no longer my foundation is a rock anymore. Right. I'm 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 very spooky, and I'm probably gonna get ready to take a drink. You know, continuing about fear on page sixty-seven, the bottom sixty-seven, we talk about fear. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. Right. It was an evil and corroding threat. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did not we ourselves set mm. the ball rolling? Right. That's the second part of step uh, four, the fear. The first part's resentment. The and second part is fear. fear. Driven by a hundred forms of fear. And, you know, a lot of times I will sit there and when I get pissed off at something, I stop and I think, what was my first emotion? And the first emotion usually is hurt for me. Well, and I, behind that hurt is fear. They don't like me. Fear, I'm not going to get chosen. Fear, I'm not good enough. Well, I think everything is based around fear. When we take at those bedevilments and we take a look, when we take a look at those bedevilments and we see the actual emotion that goes with it, fear is the result of every single one. So I think it's important what you said, but did we not set the ball rolling ourselves or did we not, did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classified with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. Yep. So the, 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 the good news is that with these steps, we review our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Was it because self-reliance failed us? Right. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Right. Self-reliance or confidence cannot solve my fear problem. I'm going to redo that. Self-reliance self or confidence cannot solve my fear problem. Yes, and the book says we trust infinite God rather than our infinite selves. And when it made us cocky, it was worse. Right. Oh, yeah, because you got that whole, don't you know who the fuck I think I am? And it's mentality. evident to, to somebody that has done the steps already. They're, they are, they're like, I remember my sponsor laughing at me. You don't know. And, and, you know, I wanted, he's like, they call you spider and you cry. All, I was crying because <laughs> it was like the veil had been, re 
everything had been revealed to me, the truth, right? So with the truth being revealed to me, I was just full of tears. Somebody was reaching me. Right. The the brick wall that I had built in place was being knocked down by the Kool-Aid man. That's what my sponsor was like, the freaking Kool-Aid man. Dun, 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 busting <laughs> through, man. I was crying. He had the truth about me. He pegged me, man. And I was... My arms were down. I ceased fighting everything and everyone, including drugs and alcohol. And I was ready to take this serious. Thank God I had a sponsor who did the same thing, who was able and willing to call me out on my shit. Because in early sobriety, I didn't want to take a look at myself yet. Right. I truly, truly didn't. You know, and once we got through this fearless, they, you know, so it says perhaps there's a better way. We think so for we are now on a different basis. Now that we've put ourselves out there, there's that basis of trusting and relying upon God or your higher power. So I think the fears list is really good when you lose your job. Right. There's a death in the family, um, your security, any of uh, those things that are being affected by everyday life. We learn to become dependent on the higher power for a path and a way out. We, repl we replace the fear with faith. Right. Right. So we don't have to be in fear when we lose our jobs, we get laid off, we get whatever life on life's terms happens. We have our higher power right there. And what is our what does this book tell me to do? It says to resolutely look for somebody who's suffering and work with them to right. get out of myself. Mm -hmm. Right. There's the solution right there. Yeah, because the longer that I stay in the problem, the longer the problem is going to stick around. And the, the bigger it's going to get. And we need a power bigger than our problem. And the quicker I get into the solution, the quicker that I can resolve the problem. Mm -hmm. It says we are in the world to play the role he assigns, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us, and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Beautiful. And you know the opposite of, of fear is faith. So it's at this point that I can start to have faith on something besides my own resentments and fears and that God would be there. He's going to match calamity with serenity. You know, we never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. This is on page 68. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. Mm -mm -mm. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. And that has been my experience that every time that I find myself in fear... If I allow myself to pause and reach out to my higher power, that fear is eliminated. That fear is lifted up and I put my trust and my faith in everything that has taught me in this book to put my reliance upon my power greater than myself. Because if I continue on with the path of fear, then I'm going to take my will back and self will run riot, right? So right. I'm going to instantly go back into self mode. And I'm going to handle it the way that I want to handle it, which nine times out of ten, which ten times out of ten is not the right way to handle my situation. Right. It takes me right back to step three. I got to make a decision at that point to turn my will over. 
So that's why those steps are in place, right? Right. Step one is our foundation. Step two is a cornerstone. And step three is a keystone. keystone. So with step four, that fear, what you just read is the fear prayer. We ask him to remove our fear and to direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. That's a promise. Yes. That's a promise. And I need a promise. You know, Mary, you told me when in fear, ask God for the truth. And that has been really powerful for me. Yeah, I, I have to pause when agitated, just like it tells me. When I'm in, and I have to n- recognize the enemy. The enemy is in the way I think. And my perception, my, my brain is broken. So I've got to stop, pray, and be quiet before I say something that I'm going to either have to make an amends for or that I'm going to have to backpedal and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. Right? See, and for someone like me, I was the type of person who I, I verbally would put you down. You know, you have people who physically will hurt somebody. I verbally would hurt somebody. I would use my tongue to knock you down. Right. And so that's been a struggle for me in my sobriety is to not do that to pause and, and, and to ask God to show me a different way to do this. You know, for years, I was like, I'm not like that. I'm so sweet. <laughs> 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 I would never harm you. Mm. And so, you know, yeah, after taking, yeah, I, I, so after taking me through this, pointed straight out to me, you know, the more, <laughs> the more I couldn't control an outcome, the sweeter I got and the nicer I got because I can manipulate through guilt make you feel bad you know so sometimes you know using that little sweet codependency trick it's called passive aggressive baby passive aggressive (laughs) behavior (laughs) i like the way she called it sweetness yeah yeah Yeah. what i called sweetness Uh ended up yeah being something i used to manipulate people and never could see it you know until i worked these steps it became my number one glaring character defect. Absolutely. Along with the uh, step six uh, gossiping thing, you know. What's funny about that, speaking of character defects, I use, I'm a chameleon. So if I have to be sweet to get my way, I will. If I have to be mean and ugly and a bully, I will. If I have to, you know, uh, be submissive or aggressive, just depends on the situation. I'm a chameleon. Right. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want. And I know what I want from you within the first few seconds of meeting. Absolutely. (laughs) And I know who I need to be to get it. Mm -hmm. We're master manipulators. It's what we've learned to do. We've learned to do it so well. You know, one of the ways that I knew that this shit was really working one of the first ways that i knew this shit was really working was when my mom asked me one day why i'm so patient she said you have so much more patience now and i was like really (laughs) (laughs) and i took a look at it and and yeah i wasn't being this drama queen that i used to be i wasn't making a big deal out of Mm. something that really wasn't a big deal (laughs) i i i knew that this was working um when i had to be there for my family when my father passed away and I got to uh, I got to be there for them I wasn't MIA I wasn't flopping like a fish out of water making it all about me Um, I got to actually be present and make arrangements and talk to people and and help them to especially my immediate family 
my mother, my sister, my brother. Uh, I got to hold them up. And for me, that was the gift of these steps because without that, you wouldn't be able to find me. As a matter of fact, you probably have to be burying me too because yeah. that's how much of a drama queen I am. Yeah. For me, I remember my mom going, you know, I can officially throw that tambourine away now. <laughs> <laughs> my mom and dad helped me run a young people meeting uh, campfire Wednesday night. It turned out like 75 teenager college students. So they're like, you need some chaperones or adults to help you run this group. And they became grandma and grandpa to the kids. My parents were normal. However, this program changed them and it changed our communication. There was a deep understanding and my mom said, oh my God, I heard that little girl and she's just like you. So it, it, it can help the normal people. You know what I mean? People that don't have a problem with addictions or alcohol or any isms. You know, it's a better way to communicate, a better way to look at yourself and be able to love without um, expectations to love unconditionally, to accept people the way they are and take a different perspective of your life and others' lives. Well, ultimately, this is a design for living that really Absolutely. works. A Absolutely. design for living that really you works. You know, as both of you know, my best friend Jackie frequents the meetings that I go to, and, and she's a big part of our community and what we do, and right. she's always there with me when I DJ and stuff, and, and she's a normie. But you know what? Her life has been enriched by all the different things that she's learned, not only from me, but from going to the meetings and getting to know all of you. Right. And it's because she's implemented a lot of these things that, that we implement whenever we get sober. And her life is truly enriched by it because it's a design for living that works. Because if we get down to the nitty gritty, all of us are sick. You Absolutely. know, uh, my children pretty much grew up in the rooms. And I remember my daughter when she was six years old and I'd be in the kitchen and I'm upset. Things are falling and I'm grumpy. And she was six years old. and She'd say, Mama. And I'd turn around and she'd go, I think you need a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great because the kids could even call me out or see that the program was working in me. My mom does the same thing. She'll, she'll call me out and tell me when I need to go to a meeting. Or she'll ask me, are you going to your meeting tonight? And I'll be like, I don't know. I'm tired. She'll be like, oh, no, you need to go to your meeting. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I remember uh, when I first came in to the rooms. I heard somebody say, oh, this is a selfish program. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, it's all about me. And I remember the big book teacher, he looked at me, my sponsor, and he says, this is the most unselfish thing you'll ever do. You give your family a daughter, your kids a mother. And, and I thought, you're right. And also I remember them saying, let us love you till you can love yourself. <laughs> and I remember my sponsor saying, motherfucker, you've been loving yourself much too much. <laughs> it's right. time for you to start loving somebody the fuck else. <laughs> no, right. You love yourself to the motherfucking grave. That's all I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but do we? But do we? Well, is it not selfish and self-centered to put that hit and that drink in our body even though we know it's killing us? Well, yeah. Okay, so... It's the only way I know how to love me. No matter what you're telling me, Mary, please stop. You're killing yourself. Your kids need a mom. What are you doing? And I can't see past my hand. But that's the fucking lie. We think that we love ourselves. Absolutely. But if I love myself, why do I continue to hurt myself? It right. is something 
I love that hit and that drink more than the baby in my belly. Yeah. I love it to death. I will do whatever it takes for one more. You tell me I don't love it? I love it. I'm not here because I hate drugs and alcohol. I'm here because I love it to death. I got to a point, though, where I hated it. It was like, I hate it, and I cannot stop. And that's true. Absolutely. I'm like, right. it's got me. It's got me. The grips of death has me. I know I'm going to die, but I got to have yes. another eight ball. Right. I I'll do it all. A, I want to talk a little bit about why it's so important to do a thorough fourth step and what the consequences of not getting honest and doing that thorough fourth step can be. Right. I know of people that have actually relapsed because they were taking that one thing with them to the grave. They yeah. weren't going to tell their sponsor about it. My, I remember my sponsor being very adamant about being 100%, letting it all out. Uh, I was able to let out a lot with, I had a sponsor prior to the big book teacher. And um, unfortunately, my four-step was never good enough and she kept ripping up my four-step and and wouldn't tell me exactly why or what had happened now granted that sponsor only had 18 months sober and the big book teacher had four years sober and a lot of time in the book and he was able to i had to seek him out i stopped working with the with the lady sponsor i sought him out and i asked him for help and he walked me through it thank god and I was able to share my deepest, darkest secret that I thought I was going to take to the grave because he said my life depended on it. My life depended on mm -hmm. it. I had to get out what I thought I was going to take to the grave so that I could be free. I was told you're as sick as your secrets. If you have secrets, that shame, that guilt, that's what pulls you back down and back out again. I can't have guilt. And I can't have resentments. Those those will bring me quicker to the hit than anything else. My my sponsor sat me down at his kitchen table, and he let me write for hours. And he asked me to pray, for, for for the ability to write, because I had written already. I had already written three four steps out with all these lists, and I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And when I wrote out my four step, he said, "It's perfect. You don't have to worry. It's perfect." I was very grateful for oh, um, a person that had working knowledge of the book. I could not have anything that was watered down because I'm a very sick addict. I'm a very sick alcoholic, and it wasn't going to take much for me. And he, my sponsor, he looked at me, he goes, I can't believe you're still sober going through all that. Let's get busy. And he sat me down at his kitchen table, and we wrote and wrote and wrote, and it took hours. See, and that's, you know, I had a similar situation. So what you've shown me of this book, I will take my sponsee, sit them down, and I'll show them exactly what ex expected. They go home and they do a portion, like the first list. They come back and we read it. And then I show them the next list and we read on. And I literally will do that fifth step as we're going along to take a lot of that pressure. I've had women like sobbing and sick and go home and like they're processing at home and taking it out on the family or what have you, where we can process a little bit at a time going through that whole first part of the fourth step 
And then when we get to that sexual inventory, it's a whole separate inventory. For That's us. next week, Denise. That's next week, baby. <laughs> yeah, I know you want to <laughs> rush into the sex part, but come on. Page now. 69, uh, baby. Uh, we got to save some excitement <laughs> for the next episode. We got to keep them coming back. Keep coming back. <laughs> right. It's cheaper than crack. Can't give away all of our secrets. <laughs> I think for me, it was definitely... Um, a life or death situation for me to get honest with myself and, and dig out those things that I had kept inside. And in doing so, I found that there were things that I was holding on to that I never even knew I was holding on to yeah. when they came to the surface. And I was like, holy shit, like this really bothered me. Like I never thought that it bothered me or things that I thought I had dealt with or had I had gotten over. And you know what the biggest fucking resentment on my resentment list was? What? Myself. Oh, myself right afterwards you have this sense of relief you have this this weight that's been lifted off of you because you're not holding on to that bad produce anymore yeah. right right you're not holding on to all that toxicity shiny brand new right right it was like we were reborn it just says that in the book yeah. it's as if we've been reborn everything's organized people notice a difference oh, yeah. It's like as soon as somebody does a fifth step with their sponsor, everybody's like, there's a glow to you. Right. You know how like people <laughs> had that pregnant glow? It was yeah. kind of like you've had the fourth step glow. It's <laughs> like, you know, something's different about you. I don't know what yeah. it is. I remember my dad looking at me one day and I was showing him uh, what I had written in the back of the book of the bedevilments. And he looked at me with the biggest shock because prior to that, uh, Sandy had asked him, Daddy, I'm going to take Mary to the meetings. And dad would say, Mijita, don't take Mary. Don't take Mary to the meetings. Leave her alone. She's sick. She's never going to get better. Don't waste your time. And Sandy would say, Daddy, don't you believe in God? And he'd say, yeah, but he ain't that good. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, and I remember being hurt by that. Sandy, why would she have to tell me that, number one? Number two, I go to my sponsor and I'm like, he, he said, you know, I'm a victim. Yeah. And, and sponsor said, you did that to them, right? Mm. That was the truth. So when I, when I was able to swallow that chunk of truth, which felt like, a, I don't know, an apple, trying to swallow an apple, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, then I was able to process, okay. So I remember my dad looking at me, and I was showing him my book. And he said, his eyes were big. He couldn't believe it. He says, you're really doing it. I said, yeah, I'm really doing it, Dad. He goes, show Sandy. So it wasn't Sandy's going to show you. He was asking me to show Sandy my book. He knew that I was really doing it, and he could see it, and I could see it in his eyes that I was doing it. I couldn't see it for me. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew I was kind of like doing, uh, you know how they say fake it till you make it? Mm -hmm. Right. Or I wasn't faking it. I was really making an effort to do something for my life. But I didn't think I was gonna be able to see the fruits of my labor until I saw the look in my father's eyes when he looked at me and said, you're fucking doing it, huh, bitch? I'm like, you damn right I am. <laughs> yeah, it's a great feeling whenever, you know, you, you, you start gaining the trust back from the yeah. people who didn't have any trust the whatsoever. Worst. Well, we burned them. Yeah. And then we expect for them to, to treat us like queens because we got 30 days sober. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean you don't trust me? I've got 30 days. <laughs> I remember doing that at six months. I'm all, I got six months. And they're yeah. still looking at me like, no, we are not giving you a key to the house. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. My mother, three years before she'd give me a key to her house. Three years. 
for? No, I still don't have one. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I like going to the front door today. <laughs> right? Yes. Thank you, God. So before we close, I want to talk a little bit about how we how we make our fourth step list, how the book talks about making our list. And then we will continue next week with the second part of the series talking about the sex inventory. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us got. That's that resentment, right? That's as far as we got. As soon as we got that resentment, everybody else fucked me over, and I never stop and look at my part. And and our life is run through with it. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us, and we stayed sore. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? So I'm wasting good, a good time on resentment and anger. Feeling myself justified, right? But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, the business of, resentf- of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. It is fatal. What does fatal mean? It is to die. Right. It's right. death. For when we harbor such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol and drugs returns, and we drink or use again. And with us, to drink and to use is to die. That is why it's so important for us to do these steps. It is so important for us to change the way we live. Because if I just stop the drug and the alcohol, that is simply all I've done is stop the drug and the alcohol. I have not done anything about the real root of the problem, which lies inside of my head. Yes, it says if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm weren't for us. They maybe do the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics and addicts, these things are poison. We're gonna have resentments throughout our lives. Yep. They're not gonna. We're definitely not gonna not gonna be able to. I don't know. Some people might be able to be zen. I know that I'm not. I'm reliant on you for the truth. I'm reliant on my higher power for the truth. And so I stay quiet or I'll, I'll bounce it off somebody. Some people say, bitch, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> some people say, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then they, I, I got to pick my audience. Yeah. Am I going to talk to somebody that has this solution? Or am I going to talk to somebody that's going to say, fuck yeah, man. Fuck that motherfucker up. That's who I right? choose. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> all, you got me? You got me? You feel me? Mm-hmm. All right. Then I'm right. <laughs> Right. You gonna be my ride or die? Hey, right. looking for the yes man, motherfucker That's over here. Right. No, you call me when you want the truth. I'll be like, no, bitch, no. Yeah, you and JoJo. And so I need to call people that I know are gonna call my bullshit out. But before I do that, I take inventory. What's my motive? Is it selfish or not? Am I full of fear? Am I reliant upon God? And I ask for the truth. So I'm gonna call somebody that has a good working knowledge of the steps. And I work it today because I don't ever want to go back to where I was. And I know that I have to continue it. This isn't something that stops just because I went through the steps or something that stops just because I get a certificate from a treatment center or something like that. Exactly. The beautiful thing is that we get to take others through this process that we've been through. And we don't ask anybody to do nothing that we didn't do. Right. We're not going to ask them to do anything that we didn't have to do. That's a beautiful thing, right? So we get to share our experience like I did with you. I did it too. And let me show you how I did it. And if you want, you can take my lead 
and, and do your work and we'll get down to business and we'll have freedom together. You know, throughout this four-step, it's very descriptive. After you've listed everything you just went through, it says we turn back to that list, right? And it says, for it held the key to our future. That list, we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. That was a turning point for me, a whole new perspective, a whole personality change happened at that point because I did have to turn around and see it differently. We began to see the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. Ladies, that's our time for this episode. Join us next week as we continue the topic, the fourth step. We will be taking a look at the sex inventory. Oh. Denise's favorite part. Yeah. Page 69. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, as always, thank you so much for thank joining you, me. Thank you, Joe. Everyone that's listening to this right now, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. <laughs> we can recover. Yeah. You hold me.